Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church Podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. How's it going, Redeemer? If you have your Bibles, open up to Daniel chapter 12. Today we're wrapping up our Daniel series, and whether you've been with us from the very beginning, jumped in in the middle, or it's your first time, I believe there's something for you today that's going to be good for your heart so let's just let's just jump in in 1987 um, the band rem released a, a single called it's the end of the world as we know it and if you've ever heard that song and tried to sing along with it on the radio drive down to the street it's just hard i mean you start off and you think you've got it it's like six o'clock tv hour don't get caught on four tower no 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 and then you just lose it But by the time you get to the chorus, it's easy, it's singable, it's the ends of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. What if I told you it's the end of the world? Would you be in a position today to say, I feel fine, I feel good, or would you be freaking out? Okay, well, in Daniel, it seems like he's talking about some things that could be talking about the end of the world. And while I would love to be able to give you a timeline to tell you when that day will come, I just can't. But I can tell you how to live in such a way that if it was to happen, if we were at the end of the world, that you would feel fine. And that's what we're going to see today in Daniel chapter 12. Let me catch everyone up real quick. This is, this is the end of Daniel as we know it. Okay, it's the end of Daniel. And so what's happened is in chapter one, Daniel and his friends are brought captive. Israel is conquered by Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is ruling and they're forced to walk 600 miles to a foreign land where they're basically pushed and forced to, to become Babylonians, but they fight against that. They remain faithful to their God. Um, from this point on, from chapters one to chapter six, I mean, he's able to interpret dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. His three friends are thrown into a fiery furnace. Um, we see Nebuchadnezzar in all of his pride humbled and where he looks up and turns to God. Uh, we see Nebuchadnezzar's grandson do the complete opposite where he refuses to look up to God. He, in his pride, falls and Babylon is captured or taken over by the Persians and the Medes. We see power change. Um, in chapter seven, um, it moves on. Like we, we've seen like Babylon to Persia. Then chapter seven through 12, it's not about the events that have happened in the past, but it's about dreams and visions that Daniel has had. And so Daniel has a vision of four kingdoms, just like Nebuchadnezzar from chapter two. Um, he gets a vision that zooms in on two of those kingdoms, Persia and Greece. Um, he has a Bible study in chapter nine where he's studying the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah and the angel Gabriel just shows up to be his Bible study teacher, which is incredible. That leads him to a time of of great repentance. And then in chapters 12 through 10, this is his final vision. And he's seeing he's seeing Persia, he's seeing Greece, he's seeing the rise of an ultimate final king. And we're left asking, what is this about? Is this about um, Antiochus, Epiphanes, which it seems like in chapter 11, verses 21 through, through 35, that's definitely him, but does it shift in chapter, chapter 11, verse 36 and following? Like, or is it still about Antiochus? Maybe it's about Rome and how Rome took part in killing Jesus and they destroyed the temple in 70 AD. Or maybe this is about the apocalypse. Maybe this is about the, the final tribulation and Jesus's triumphant return. And, and we're left going, what's this about? And maybe the answer is yes. 
<laughs> Maybe the answer is yes, that Daniel is showing us a pattern of not what only has happened, not only what will happen, but what always happens. But I do believe today we're going to see some stuff that is showing us not only what has happened and what is happening, but what will happen at the end, okay? At the end of the world. So let's jump in. Chapter 12, verse 1. It says, at that time, I believe that time is the end of human history, okay? When everything comes to its conclusion. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. So two angels in the Bible are given names. Gabriel, he's always the messenger. Then Michael, he's the warrior. He's the fighter. He's the one that fights to protect God's people. So at that time, Michael, the great prince who's in charge of people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So it says, hey, when, when this time comes, Michael's going to rise up to fight. There's going to be a great tribulation, something that's going to blow our minds to anything we've ever read about in history or experienced personally. It's going to be beyond that. And, and then in that moment, God's people are going to be delivered. So as soon as it talks about this tribulation, it talks about deliverance. And so who's going to be delivered? Those whose names are written in the book. I believe that's the book of life mentioned in Revelation. So the question we should be asking is, how do I get my name in that book? Like, I want my name to be in the book because I want to be delivered, right? I want to be rescued in that time, okay? So I had a buddy, uh, or I have a buddy, who his dad has a beach house and their neighbor owns um, a bunch of piano bars all across the country. And so one of those bars is in San Antonio, Texas. Well, my buddy, he's, he's on a trip from Tennessee to San Antonio and, and his, his dad's neighbor says, you should have him go to Howl at the Moon. Go to the piano bar, I'll call him, I'll put his name on the list. So my buddy is walking through downtown San Antonio and he's got some people with him and he's thinking, I'm gonna show up to this bar, this piano bar. I'm going to walk up, I'm going to say my name is, and they're going to be like, oh, the owner called and put your name on the list, come to the VIP room, right? And so it happens, he gets there, these people are expecting that they're going to get in, and they're on the list, and, and he tells them his name at the door, and they just look at him, like, flip, 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 like, nothing, like, you're... Sorry, buddy, your name's not here. I mean, like imagine how defeating that would be to go, I thought my name was on the list and it's not on the list. And so maybe today you're, you're thinking, I think I'm in the book, but what would it be like if you showed up to heaven and Gabriel's at the gate and he's like, I don't see your name in this book. Like, would your heart sink? I mean, at that moment, how do you, how do you get your name in the book? And, and how, do you, how do you have assurance that when you show up that it's going to be there, that it won't be blotted out? Okay, well, what we know as we read Daniel with more revelation than Daniel ever had. I mean, Daniel didn't have the completed Old Testament. Daniel didn't have Jesus's words. Daniel didn't have that stuff. So we've got more revelation than Daniel, which is crazy as far as reading back and understanding this. What we know is the only way to have your name written in the book of life is to trust in Jesus Christ to put your faith in him and him alone for your salvation and to turn from your sin to say like, okay, God, I can't save myself. I know I've sinned. I know I've pushed against you. I know I've taken the posture 
where I've thought that just, I think I'm better off on my own and I need forgiveness for that. And God, the only way I can find forgiveness is through your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he lived a perfect life that I couldn't live. I believe that he died the sinner's death that I deserved. He took on the wrath that I earned from my sin. And, and then he rose victoriously from the grave to guarantee me, to offer me new and eternal life. And God, I believe in him. I trust in him. And that's the only way I can ever be right with you. If you would do that, if that's your hope, then your name is in the book and it is guaranteed to be there. You, you don't have to worry about it ever falling out. You see, sometimes people ask the question like, can I lose my salvation? That's the wrong question. The question isn't, can you lose your salvation? The question is, can Jesus lose a Christian? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Jesus will not lose you. You're in God's hands. He will forever hold you. If your name is in the book, it will always be in the book. But that comes from trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation. Okay, verse one. All right, let's jump into verse two. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a clear picture in the Old Testament that the Old Testament talks about the resurrection. We believe that we will one day rise again. And as we rise again, you will find yourself in one of two everlasting destinies. You will either be in everlasting life, which is the fullness of God's presence with his grace and his love, or you will be in everlasting contempt, which is, that's the, the fullness of God's justice and wrath. That's what we would call hell, right? You'll either live eternally in heaven or eternally in hell. And what determines that is whether or not your book, your name is written in the book. Now, in our culture, people are asking the question, like, what happens when you die? You might hear that at the collegiate level. You might hear that um, amongst a friend group right now. I mean, death is on people's minds. Death is on people's minds in the midst of COVID. People are wondering like, what if I lose my life? What if I lose a loved one? Like what happens to them after, afterwards? Well, there, there are a handful of views that, that people hold on to. Um, it's getting more and more common for people to believe in naturalism. Naturalism is just you live, you die, the end. All we have is the natural world. There's no such thing as the spiritual. And so at the end of the day, we're just another piece of decaying matter in a, in a world that's that's ultimately going to cease to be, right? Like we're just another piece of decaying matter. And so, so like that's pretty hopeless. And other people believe in what's called universalism. Universalism is, you know, God is a God of love. Ultimately that wins out. And so everyone will get in. Everyone gets into heaven. And so whether you believed in Jesus or believed in some other God, at the end of the day, like you're going to get in. You're good, right? That's universalism. Uh, another view is called annihilationism. That's where people believe that, okay, um, good people who believe in Jesus, they get heaven. And if you weren't a good person or you didn't believe in Jesus, then you just cease to exist. Like you're annihilated, but you're not in an eternal state of hell. You're just you cease to be. And so there's no such thing as hell. Um, some people believe in reincar reincarnation, which is basically that, that you are resurrected to someone else or something else, depending on your moral record. So that could be a better place. That could be a, a worse place. All right. But what do we see in scripture? In scripture, a, a biblical view of what happens when you die is that you will live forever in a conscious state somewhere. You will live forever in a conscious state somewhere that is either in the eternal presence of God's grace and love in heaven, or that's in the eternal presence of his justice and wrath in hell, right? One of two places. Now, some people will say, that's really cruel. 
Like how, how could you, that's just so, how can you say that? That sounds so, so bigoted. That sounds so mean. Like that sounds like, and so I hear that. And I know like, I mean, pe- we don't like to talk about judgment. We don't like to talk about hell. I get it. Right. But here, here's something interesting. There are two comedians or, or magicians, uh, Penn and Teller. And Penn Gillette, he has this video blog where he's talking about after a show, um, how this man knew he was an atheist. This guy knows where he, knows where Penn stands when it comes to belief in God. He's like, it's kind of, but he walks up to him and he hands him a little pocket sized Bible. And, and Penn says, you know, he, he's talking, he says, you know, like, he's like, the guy was a good guy. And he goes, he's like, you know, and, and, and he wasn't upset. He's like, he's like, he's like, you know, if you think about it, this guy should be proselytizing. He should be sharing his faith because if this guy, he's like, if he truly believed that I was going to go to hell, he's like, how much would he have to hate me not to tell me? And so that he didn't convert in this moment, but you get that picture of like, if hell is real, how much would you have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus? Okay. And so we see here, some people think it's cruel to talk about eternal judgment, I think it's most cruel and even hateful not to say the truth. So the truth is, is you will live eternally. After you die, you will live eternally in a conscious state in one of two places. And your faith in Jesus is the determining factor of where that will be. Okay, look at, look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. All right, so, so wise, what does that mean to be wise? That's how you get your name in the book, all right? Those who are wise turn to God. They realize that their sin is a problem. They, they admit that they can't save themselves. So they trust God for a gift righteousness, something that cannot be earned. They're like, okay, if, if I'm gonna have a right heart, if I'm gonna have a right standing with you, it has to be something that you give me because there's no way I can earn it. And that's what we see offered to us in Jesus. All the Old Testament is looking towards Jesus and what he gives, not what we can earn. All Old Testament is setting us up to look to Jesus, what he gives us in his righteousness, not something we can earn through our, our moral performance, right? And so I love this. He says those who are wise, those who are in right standing with God, those who live eternally in the presence of his, of his grace and love, he's like, they're gonna shine like the stars. What does that mean? It's not saying that we're going to be angels. It's saying that that we're going to have glorified resurrected bodies. That means our bodies, uh, and uh, when we are resurrected to everlasting life because of our faith in Christ, those bodies will be perfected. That means they're no longer subject to sickness. They're no longer subject to sadness. They're no longer subject to shame. They are perfected like Jesus. And that's such good news. Like, I think about that personally, what that means to me. Watch a kid. Watch a kid skiing down a mountain. If you go to a ski slope and watch them, they'll be going 90 to nothing and they'll fall and they'll tumble like a rag doll, just head over heels, skis everywhere, and they just pop up. They pop like, let's get back on the skis. And then you're like, that's incredible, right? As you get older, you tweak your back trying to tighten your boots. It's like, what just happened? What just happened? It's like, did you crash? No, I was trying to tighten my binding, right? Like, so, so I don't know, we long for the day when, when our bodies don't have the aches and the pains and the deterioration and like when they're perfect, 
Like we long for that. That's good news for us that when we come back in everlasting life in our resurrected state, we are going to be perfected like Jesus. That is good news. That is something to look forward to. Can I get an amen? All right, verse four. Verse four says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Let me explain what's happening in this verse. Um, the sealing of the doc—it's not saying that seal the document so no one can read it. That's not at all what it's talking about. In the ancient Near East, if if you had a document um, that was important, what would happen is you'd have the document, you'd roll it up, right? Then you would seal it with the all the parties that were involved in writing that document would seal it with their marks, and and they would store it away, right? To where it would be preserved and protected. But before you sealed it, that document would be copied. So you would have a public copy to be read, and then you'd have the original copy um, protected and preserved. So if, if, if this original document ever got corrupted, changed, or lost, you always had the original to go back to, all right? And so, so the idea is that you have something that is protected and preserved. That means that God's truth is not a, a moving target. It doesn't change depending on time and culture. It is an absolute truth. It's sealed, it's protected, it's, it's not a moving target. But that truth should be copied, right? And it should be spread and made public. So the idea of this sealed scroll is not that knowledge can't be found. It's that people are looking to and fro. They're going to the wrong places. So the imagery here is that instead of people, and people looking to God and finding wisdom, they're, they're trying to solve God-sized problems with human wisdom. So, so they're gaining knowledge. They're increasing in human knowledge, but they're missing godly wisdom. They're, they're not turning to God for the solution to their problems, which is what they need most. So the idea here is that as time goes on, people are going to become smarter. They're going to increase in knowledge. We're going to know more things about the universe, how it works, and, and all types of things. But if we miss godly wisdom, we miss the ultimate mark, right? So just because you're smart doesn't mean you're in a right standing with God, okay? So now, in verses one through four, that really concludes the vision, the vision that he had starting back in chapter 10, all right? Now, we're gonna get kind of the final words to the book starting in, in verse five. It says, then I, Daniel, looked and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders. And so if you go back to chapter 10, Daniel's transported, right, to this riverbank, and then he sees an angel, this, this, this glorious angel. It might be Gabriel, not exactly sure, we aren't given a name, but he's seeing this angel. Now as the vision wraps up, he's he's on this riverbank, and you have that, that original angel just hovering over the waters, like, oh, right? And then you have an angel on this bank, an angel on that bank, and he hears one of the lesser angels say to the greater angel, like, how long? How long is this going to last? I'm sure as Daniel hears that question being asked, he's going, that. Like, that's the question that was burning on my heart too. How long until this stuff comes to be? Like, when? When is this stuff going to go down? Right? That's, that's a good question. Okay, that's a, that's a good question. How long? Well, we get an answer. In verse 7, it says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, that's the superior angel, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand, and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. 
and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. Okay, so, so it's like, how long is this going to happen? Or like, when's it going to happen? It's like a time, times, and half a time. Now, some people hear that and they think that that's got to be years. A year, two years, then half a year. So one plus two is three plus half 3.5. This is 3.5 years that this tribulation is going to happen, right? That could be it. That could be it. But I personally believe that these numbers aren't, aren't, this isn't talking about years. It's talking about how these powers, a power is going to come onto the scene, right? It's going to come onto the scene, a time. Then as that power exists, it'll feel like it's lasting forever, times. That's just going to feel like this thing's never going to end. But half a time means that it's just going to come to an abrupt end. So it seems like these powers are going to, like times as, as people are leading us further away from God, as, as power structures come in to fight against God, there will be a powerful structure that will come onto the scene. It will rule and reign. It will feel like this is never going to end, that this is how things are going to be. And then when God decides, it will be done. It will be cut off. So it could be 3.5 years. It could be symbolic. Um, that's, that's for you to decide where you stand on that. Smart people believe both. Okay? Smart people believe both. All right, so Daniel hears that, and this is his response. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? So Daniel basically says, I, I hear what you're saying, but I can't see it. Like, as I'm trying to wrap my mind around it, I just I don't understand what's going on. And I think that's so encouraging for me. Okay, as a pastor, um, people think I work one day a week. It's like, that guy works one day a week. Must be a pretty sweet gig. And so that's not true, okay? I, we do work more than one day a week. And, but what happens is because sometimes I feel like I need to overcompensate for that misconception. So if someone has a question, I feel the pressure to have an answer. I'm like, I need to have an answer. Like if people have a question, I should have the God answers, right? And so people come to me with a hard question. I feel like I need to give them some type of answer. Well, I remember when I was in seminary, when I was in graduate school, I had a professor who is one of the smartest people that I have ever met, right? He, is, he has written books upon books on incredibly hard topics. Um, he is a world-renowned speaker that is sought after. I mean, he's, he's written books on systematic theology. And so this guy is brilliant. And I remember sitting in a class and someone asking him a question, right? And here's what his response. He goes, I don't know if I've studied that well enough to give you a good response. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you. I wish I would remember that all the time. Just to, to instead of shooting from the hip and be like, I got to give an answer. Um, just to say, you know what? I don't think I've studied that well enough to give you a good answer now. So even him, that professor and all of his wisdom didn't know it all. And so Daniel here, he, where if you feel like, I don't understand some of the stuff in the Bible that I'm reading, you're in good company, okay? It's okay. There, there's going to be some mystery that we just can't wrap our minds around this side of heaven. And there might be some mystery that side of heaven, all right? It's okay if you don't understand everything about the Bible. Daniel will attest to that. I don't understand. If you don't understand, it's okay, all right? It is okay. Then in verse 9, it says, He said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. That phrase, go your way, it means live your life. <laughs> live your life. So here, here's what he's saying in verse 9. In verse 9, he's saying, look, if you focus too much on the future, you'll miss the present. If you focus too much on the future, when's this going to go down? How long is it going to last? He's like, you'll miss the present. Just go your way. Just live your life. Enjoy the present moment. Be where you are. 
Don't spend so much time looking to the future that you miss out on what God's doing today. Verse 10. In verse 10, it says, Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. So as Daniel has all these questions, the the angel basically tells him, don't be surprised when people turn to God. Don't be surprised when people continue in their ways. This is what we can expect. As things come to a conclusion, some people are going to turn to God, some people won't. Don't be like, like, well, not everyone's turning to God. That should be expected. Okay, some people are going to continue in their ways. And then other people are going to come to God and be like, that person? That person came to God? Like, yeah, some people are going to come, even that person. Like, people are going to come to God, other people are going to continue in their ways. We're going to see both of those things taking place. And then verses 11 and 12 get really tricky. Okay, really tricky. It says, And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So all of a sudden, he's giving days. I thought thought you said that we can't know. That we can't know when this is going to go down. And that's pretty specific days. Okay, well, if you read Revelation, um, it's like, when is this all? It's like, it gives you days. It's like 1,260 days. But Daniel has an extra 30. People are like, well, what, what, like what's that 30 days for? Some people would say, well, that's what, that's what it takes. It takes time for Jesus to put in a new government in place. Um, then, but then he adds an extra month and a half. He's like, it's like well, then, you know, but blessed is the person who waits 1,335 days, right? So he adds more days to it. And so, so are these days, are they literal or are they symbolic? And so I, I land with, I believe they're symbolic. I don't think the purpose of these is to, to help people calculate the exact time of these things as much as it is to stress the importance of endurance. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because you have two different sets of days, 1290 and 1335. I believe it's not for calculation, but to stress endurance. Imagine this. Let's say you start a diet. You do a 30-day challenge. It's like, hey, I want you to eat well for 30 days. You're like, I'm going to do it. If you, if you eat for 30 days well, but the whole time your mind's going, on day 31, like I'm going to make it 30 days, but on day 31, I'm going to pound some pizza. I'm going to pound some donuts. I'm going to eat a whole bowl of cereal just in a mixing bowl. I'm going to eat pour it all in the mixing bowl. I'm just going to eat it with a big spoon. If you think I'm going to do it for 30 days, but once I cross that line, I'm throwing in the towel. I think you're kind of missing the point of why you started the diet in the first place. Okay. So, so the point isn't just to, to get to the finish line and then throw in the towel. The point is to, to live in such a way that those habits go on beyond, right? They go beyond. So the, the point isn't to calculate the finish line as much as it is to live in such a way that you're faithful past the finish line. I think about um, during COVID, when it first started, um, I started running. Never been a runner in my life, and I started jogging. And um, I got this watch, um, this handy-dandy Garmin. And, uh, and it does cool things. It tells me how far I ran. It tells me what pace. But it actually, it'll even calculate the pace in real time. So I'll be running, and I'll look and be like, what, how fast is my mile? How fast is my mile? And, and I began to get so caught up in the calculations, um, so caught up in the measurements that I would run and I would try to maintain a certain pace for a certain amount of distance. And that was the most important thing on that run. And so just dying, like look at that thing and it'd beep, like where am I? All right. And so, but some of my best runs, some of my best runs are the runs where I decide, Hey, I'm going to set this thing, but I'm not going to look at it. I'm just going to go. And at the end, we'll see how I did. And what I've noticed is, is those runs 
one, I enjoy the scenery and I take, I take aim of, or I take note of what's happening around me and the smell of this plant as I'm running down the trail. I'm like, that's honeysuckle. And, uh, and, and like there's the coolness of the breeze and then the beauty of the, the mountains in the distance as we run through Johnson City. And like all of a sudden it's a much more enjoyable run. What I find is so often in those, those just, let me just see how I do runs and not worry about the measurements. One is they're, they're much more beautiful runs, and I normally go farther and faster than I realized I could. Right? I'm always taken back by, man, I went a little bit further, I went a little bit farther than I, than I even expected. And so what happens here is, is he's basically saying, when, when, he, when he gives us these days and then follows it up with verse 13, when he says, but go your way till the end and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days, we, we see that go your way again, that kind of bookends right? Verse 9, go your way. Verse 13, go your way. He's, he's basically saying in these verses, live your life and enjoy the beauty of today. Don't get so caught up in measuring things and calculating things that you miss out on the beauty of the moment. Okay, so once again, I'll, I'll, I'll say this again. If you focus too much on the future, you'll miss the present. So he's saying, go your way, live your life, and enjoy today. So how do we live? We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. We don't know when the world's going to end, but how do we live? Go your way. This brings us to the end of Daniel. And if there's, it's been such a privilege, seriously, such a privilege to be able to walk through this book with you. Um, but I want you to know the most important thing to, to realize is that Daniel is ultimately pointing us to Jesus. If we read Daniel and miss Jesus, we didn't read it right, okay? Daniel is ultimately pointing us to Jesus. It's about Jesus, okay? And so what we see is that Jesus is ultimately the greater Daniel, okay? This is all pointing forward to someone greater than Daniel to come. And so as you study Daniel's life and you look and study Jesus' life, here's what you see is, is both of these men, they went from glory, the glory of royalty, to poverty, I mean, Jesus was in the glory of heaven, came to earth. Then what happened is he ascended back to heaven. Daniel was royalty in Jerusalem, was taken as a slave to Babylon, but then became one of the king's servants in a, in a way where he stood beside the king and made important decisions. Like he had authority over the kingdom. So, he, so they go from the, the glory of royalty to poverty and back to the glory of royalty. Both of them did that. We see that both of these guys, um, they left their homes their homelands and entered worlds that were dark and oppressive and opposed to, to who they were and opposed to all they believed about God. Both of them had a few faithful friends that they walked through life with and went through hard times with. Um, they both had tremendous wisdom. They were both given incredible authority. Daniel was given authority over Babylon um, and Persia. Jesus was given authority in heaven. We see that neither of these guys married or had children. Daniel, Jesus, neither of these guys married, neither of them had children. Um, the Bible has nothing bad to say about either one of them. Both of them get wrongly accused um, where, where they're sent to their death. Daniel is, is miraculously delivered. Jesus suffers death's sting. 
but Jesus, the greater Daniel, ultimately conquers the grave. And what we know is that after Jesus conquers the grave, he ascends to the right hand of the Father, and we know that he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And so I can't tell you when that day will come, but I can tell you how to live in a way that you endure until that day happens. I can tell you how to endure in the meantime, okay? So here's what I wanna close, close with. Just three takeaways, three takeaways. Look, we can't know when the end will come, but we can know how to live as we wait. Okay, so, so three ways to live as we wait. We can't know when the end will come, but we can know how to live as we wait. So, so three things to be faithful, three things to show endurance. Right? The first one is this. The first thing is we wanna protect the prophecy. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because Daniel had that scroll, he sealed it, and that sealing, okay, was a, was a, a picture of, of preservation. It was a picture of protecting it, okay? But before it was sealed, it would have been copied and distributed, okay? So why I say that is because we too have God's word. We have God's word and we want to protect it. What that means is we don't want to change it. We don't want to change God's word to be more palatable to our culture. We want to, we want to see it for truth that isn't a moving target that shifts depending on who's reading it and where they're reading it or what era we live in, but truth that is absolute. So we want to protect it. We want to read it. We want to study it. And we want to seek to align our lives to God's will. We, want to, we don't want to take steps of obedience to be more and more like Jesus. And so, so one, we, we want to protect the prophecy by maintaining its purity and knowing it, but also by teaching others to do the same, by showing the way of Jesus to others and helping them to follow Jesus as well. So how do you protect the prophecy? Cherish God's word, know God's word, follow God's word, and walk with others so they can do the same. So the first thing to do is we live and wait is, is live in such a way that you're protecting God's word, okay? The second thing is we want to proceed with your life. Proceed with your life. What I mean by that is, is Martin Luther was asked, what would you do if, if Jesus was coming back tomorrow? He goes, I'd, I'd pay my taxes and plant a tree. And what's the, what's, pay your taxes, plant a tree, what in the world? I mean, I'd be bullhorned up on the edge of the street telling people that the judgment's coming, turn to Jesus. I'd, I'd be calling up those friends that I've been meaning to talk to and tell them about Jesus. Like, like, well, the idea behind that is he's basically saying that we should live in such a way that if Jesus came back tomorrow, no extreme change would need to be made in our lives. Live in such a way that if Jesus came back tomorrow, there would be no need to make an extreme change to the way that you live your life. All right, so, so protect God's word, protect the prophecy, um, proceed with your life. And then the final thing is to plan for the future. Plan for the future. What I mean by that is, you know, live like Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but plan like he's not coming back for another hundred years. Okay, so, so yes, don't, save. Save money for your kid's college. If you're going to go to Elk River Farms and cut down a Christmas tree, bring your own saw, whatever. If you're going to cut it under a Christmas tree in, in two weekends or this weekend, go cut down the Christmas tree. Um, if there are some bills you need to pay, pay the bills. If, if you're planning a vacation for spring break, plan, plan the trip. In other words, live your life. <laughs> live your life. Don't get so caught up in the future that you miss the present. Hey, let's be people who are faithful, 
who are faithful and who have endurance. Not people who are just aiming for a finish line where we plan on throwing in the towel, but people who plan to, to follow Jesus from now until all eternity because he is good and he deserves all of who we are. Well, we want to take time to respond this morning. And as we do, um, if you are a follower of Christ, if you are one whose name is written in the book of life, if you are one who is wise, who will one day shine like the stars in the sky, this is the time for you to remember Jesus, right? And so, so we do this every week through, through taking the Lord's Supper. And when we take the Lord's Supper, we, we take bread and we take juice or wine and we remember that Jesus' body was given for us and his blood washes away our sins so that God loves us fully and forever, not for anything that we could do, but solely because of what Jesus has done. That's good news for now and always. And so what I want to do is I want to encourage you, take time to confess sin. Confess sin that led Jesus to the cross, but also take time to ask God for the strength, the strength that, that Jesus gives us to remain faithful until he comes up. Ask God to help you to protect his word, to proceed with your life in such a way that if he came back tomorrow, you wouldn't need to make any extreme changes and to plan for the future, to be wise in that. All right, so I'm gonna pray for us and then here in a bit, I wanna invite you to respond. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for these 12 weeks where we've gotten to, to look to Daniel, um, who is pointing us to someone greater, pointing us to Jesus. Let your word not return void. Let it sink down to the depths of our hearts and to bring change. God, help us to be faithful to you. God, help us to be people of your word. Help us to be people who live lives that are worthy to be followed, lives that, that don't need extreme changes. Um, even if you came back tomorrow, that, that we wouldn't have to do anything different because we're living for you today. And God, help us to be faithful um, as we plan for the future, to be wise in that. Uh, we long for your return, um, but until you come, uh, we live for you. And we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.